So this morning, if you would open your Bibles to the 8th chapter of Isaiah. This morning, we will look at the promised Savior from the words of the prophet Isaiah. We're going to read this passage. We'll make some observations and applications along the way. And before we do, uh, let us pray one more time for God's intervention for us. Father God, we do rejoice in our great salvation that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We celebrate his birth this morning. We are longing and looking for his return. We ask, Lord, this morning that you give us grace to hear and to respond to your holy word this morning. We ask this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So normally a Christmas message is is uh, is begun in chapter 9, uh, but we're going to begin in chapter 8 to get us some context. So if you would look at beginning at verse 20, I will read through chapter 9, verse 7. To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staffer's shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is God's word. So hope has come. Hope is here and hope is coming. This Christmas, we celebrate the reality of salvation in Jesus Christ. Hope is coming in eternity, eternity future, but hope has been sent to us in eternity past in Jesus Christ, the promised seed. Hope is coming in eternity future in Jesus' return as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hope is coming in the Satan-crushing, sin-eradicating Savior. Hope is here. Hope is here now. God has raised him from the dead and he is alive. And he is, as we just sang, Emmanuel, God with us. Even to the end of the age, Jesus Christ is our present and only reality in a world of confusion and darkness and chaos. 
And we rejoice this Christmas in the reality of God's Son as a past reality, as a future reality, and as our present reality. In other words, hope in Jesus Christ is the reality for a believer. So before we look at our passage this morning and we we back up to uh, chapter 8, let us look again at verses 20 through 22. To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry, and when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. So before we get to chapter 9, we want to see that for Israel, uh, at this time there was a darkness that could be felt, an anguish over their souls, for the circumstances that they found themselves in. But this darkness was brought on by Israel's neglect and their squandering of the promise of God. Israel had failed to receive the fullness of God's promise. They have rejected God. They have rejected His word. They rejected the testimony of His truth. And they rejected the king that God had placed for them. This was their present reality dark. So I ask us this morning, do you feel a very present darkness in the world that we live in right now? Is the reality of a God-rejecting world so dark that you can feel it? Can you sense the weight of a world that has rejected the truth? Does the heaviness of our own residual sin the heaviness of our attachment to the uh, world and its system cause us great distress? Does the lies that the world lives according to cause you to question whether or not we will ever recover? Do you ever question whether we'll ever recover from this? Do Do you question whether the church will ever be restored? Do you wonder those things? Does it cause you to think about... Will we ever recover? Is there any hope at all? Where is hope when none is to be found? Well, hope is found only in God. Only in God. The substance of hope, what is the substance of hope according to the Word of God? It is faith. Faith in God and what He has accomplished. That is the substance of hope. Faith in God, my friends, is hope realized. If you have faith, hope is realized. If you have faith in God, what He's done, what He will do, what He has promised, you, my friends, have the substance of hope. Faith in God is hope realized. Faith in is is living in hope. We live in hope not only for the future, but... Hope is what constitutes the here and now. By faith in God. Faith in God is the hope of our present reality. As we move to our text in chapter 9, Isaiah, uh, the prophet, writes of the coming Savior and the benefits of the birth of Christ. But he, he writes this as it is a present reality. 
He writes it 750 years projecting into the future. But as he writes this to the people of Israel, he writes it to them as if this is a present reality for them. This is a promise that is yet to come. But he says, this is your present reality. It's still 750 years in the future, and yet by faith in the future, hope affects then our present reality of those who believe that God is the keeper of his promises. Right? Do you believe the promises of God? He might ask Israel here. If you believe the promises of God, this is the promise of God in the future. This is now. If you believe by faith, this is your present reality. This is the substance of your hope is faith in God. This is the substance of your hope. Let us look at the first part of chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Notice there is future tense and past tense in the same sentence. There will be no gloom for her who was, past tense, in anguish. This is faith in the future promises of God. It puts our present anguish and sinful state in the past. Our text this morning is partly prose and it's partly poetry. And this poetic structure of this passage gives us more clarity as to the point of the passage. You see, there is a future promise that is made. There will be no gloom. And these tenses are poetically mixed throughout this passage for her who was in anguish. The coming promise of God is to believe be believed in Israel's present reality. If God spoke it, let's live presently in the sure promise of God's future hope. This is faith. This is the substance of things hoped for. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he's made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people had squandered the promise of God in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. See, these were the northernmost boundaries of Israel's promised land. And they were the first big loss. It was a big loss. You can read about this in 2 Kings 15. But currently the promise is, he says, this was the contempt that, that you once had. This was uh, how you squandered what I would have given you. But there's still hope. Because he says, the, the present reality is the future promise that from the land of Galilee, a land of mixed nationalities, meaning both Jews and Gentiles, a glorious blessing has come. In these days is the glorious blessing of the promise of the future hope. In these days, there's a glorious blessing. The promise of Christ then, of course, is great in, in this passage. It is both to Jew and to Gentile. As he says at the end of verse one, that he has made the way, uh, he has made glorious the way of the sea. Galilee of the nations. That is Galilee for all nations. That is people of all stripes lived in the area of Galilee. And this is the way that has come. 
already and kind of not yet. It has already come. It is to be received today by faith. That is hope. It is yet 750 years in the future. The coming Christ is the hope of nations. The fact that Christ has come is the hope of our nations today. The fact that Christ has come is the hope of nations today. It should also be the dread of nations today to know this, that Christ is coming again. Christ is coming again. He is the hope of nations today, but He is also the dread of those who will not repent and believe today. Because when Christ comes, He is the righteous ruler and judge of the whole world. He is coming again. It is both dread and rejoicing for the nations around us. But for us who believe, this is our hope for today. 750 years in advance, Isaiah announces this coming of Christ, and he announces it as a blessing to be received today by faith. The place in which you put your hope in a hopeless situation with the God that, that makes promises and the promise that God makes. Uh, this is the place where we put our hope in a hopeless situation. You see, the promise is, is that He has made the way glorious to those who would receive the coming Christ, those who would receive the Messiah in the future, but those who would receive the Messiah today by faith, hope has come. God's proclamation of future blessing here is the substance of things that we are to hope for today. Christmas is a time for rejoicing in any age and under any earthly circumstance. I want to say this again. Christmas is a time for rejoicing in any age and under any earthly circumstance for those who believe by faith. Those who have been saved, those who are in Christ Jesus, Christmas is a time for rejoicing in any age and under any earthly circumstance. Think about the circumstances that, that Isaiah is talking about here. There was gloom and darkness, and they've rejected His Word. They've rejected the teaching of the Lord. They've rejected the King. They've squandered their inheritance. And yet, he says in chapter 9, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish because he has made the way and the way through Jesus Christ, the son that he is going to soon announce as coming. The Christian lives presently with a future hope of the promises of God and the birth of Jesus Christ reminds us that the promises of God are sure. They are sure. We look back, we celebrate, we will celebrate this Thursday and Friday, the birth of Christ with our families and our friends. And we will say this, our present reality is that God is the keeper of promises. And the future promises of God are sure. Because look at what he did in sending his son. He sent his only son. The birth of Christ reminds us that the promises of God are sure and that God has made a glorious way amid present gloom and anguish. We, we sense the, the, the depth and the, and the weight of the darkness of the world that we live in, the anguish uh, and the, the present gloom that is going on in the world, but yet hope has come because God has made glorious a way through Jesus Christ and His coming. 
Hope has come. Hope is here. And our great hope is still coming. Our past hope is in the birth of Jesus Christ. We live in present hope because He is risen and He is alive. We have our future hope in Jesus Christ because He is coming, and I believe He is coming very soon to take His church home to be with Him forever. I want us to get this, that hope is the constitution of the here and the now. It is a constitutional reality for us to live under. Hope, and it's here now. It can be received now because hope has already come. Hope has already come in the birth of Jesus. I better move on to the next verse. Verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. What reality of our experiences are we going to live by? What reality of our experiences are we going to live by? Are we going to live in gloom and anguish? Are we going to succumb to the deep darkness of the world? Are we going to live in the light that is shown upon us? The light that is shown upon us in the promise of God's Savior. Are we going to live in gloom and anguish of our present state? Or are we going to rejoice in Christ's birth in our distant past? Are we going to rejoice that this Christmas we rejoice not in the commercialism of Christmas, but in Jesus Christ, our resurrected Savior? We'll rejoice this Christmas in the promise of God that Jesus is coming to rescue us from this evil present age that we live in. Jesus is the substance of our hope. And Isaiah promises the people of Israel that the coming Messiah has brought a light in their present darkness. They should walk in the light of the promise since the coming Savior is already shining upon them. Notice how he says this here. The people who walked in darkness, past tense, have currently seen a great light. Those who dwelt, past tense, in a land of darkness, on them light has shone. It is the promise of the coming Savior that is the reality of the substance of their hope presently, isn't it? Christ has not yet come. It's 750 years in the future. But here's the promise. I'm making this promise, the proclamation of God and the gospel and the good news that God is going to do what He said He's going to do. And He says, those who have received this, they were once who walked in darkness, and now they have seen a great light, and that light has shone upon them. Currently, that is the reality that he wants them, Israel, to live in as he gives them this message of hope. Isaiah promises that the Messiah has brought a light into their present darkness and they should walk in the light of the promises since the coming Savior is already currently shining upon them. Israel was to celebrate the joy of the coming harvest as if it had already been realized. There's a harvest that is coming, and you should walk in joy as if it was already realized. The joy of the promise of God's light increases joy in the heart. So there's joy in this light that has come, in this promise that has come, and this joy when it uh, has been fully realized, this joy of the promise of God's light, it increases joy in the heart until... It becomes praise on the lips of those who have received this good news. 
Notice in verse 3, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you. There's a, there's a heart change that is filled with the joy of the Lord, and then it leads to praise. It leads to out, outward rejoicing in what God has done. As if already, although not yet. But kind of, it's already as soon as the promise is made, isn't it? If we believe God, if we trust God, if we trust that when He makes a promise, we live as though that promise is realized in the here and the now, right? That is hope by faith. We live in that hope. And that is the reason why I believe that Isaiah here mixes tenses back and forth with have and will be and is to come and has come. It's already happened. It is this idea that those who receive this message of good news live it by faith. And that is the substance of hope. It's a tangible thing. It is as real as, as a pencil that you pick up. Faith is a real thing. It is a real thing. And I hope you all have it. And if you don't have it, I pray right now that God by His Holy Spirit would give you faith. Because you can't conjure it up, friends. You can't make yourself have faith. None of you. There's not a soul in here who made themselves believe. Not one. There's not one who sits here who's made themselves believe in the promises of God. It is God's Word empowered by the Holy Spirit that entered your ear and transformed your heart and turned it from stone to flesh that you might believe. It is all God's work that we have hope and we have faith. And I pray this morning that if you don't have the hope of Jesus Christ and His birth that this morning by faith, God and His Holy Spirit will invade your heart. And I, I tell this story often when I tell of my salvation that when God saved me, He wrecked me. It was a wreck. It was a wrecked heart. He broke me. Destroyed me, I thought. Turned me upside down and on my head. Man, and that, and it's, it's painful when it first happens and joyous at the same time. So I hope that he wrecks you. And I don't mean that to be mean. But if you're not a believer in Jesus, I hope you get wrecked today. I hope that the Holy Spirit just wrecks you and just turns you upside down and inside out. Because that is the way of salvation, friends. That's how it works. That's how God works. He wrecks us that He might fill us with Himself, empties us of us, that He might be all that we are and all that we need and all that we want and all that we desire. So, the joy of the promise of God's light and increases joy until we become praisers of Him. And I ask this morning, has the light of God's promise shone brightly upon you today in a world of gloom? Do your lips sing for the, the praises of your great salvation? Do they sing of your great salvation no matter how dark and gloomy the circumstances are? What is it about the coming Christ that brings light in a dark place, that takes the joy of your heart and multiplies it to lips of praise? See, the coming Christ willingly takes on the burden of our gloom and our anguish. The Savior of God's people shoulders the weight of our sin and the enemy's attacks. 
the Messiah receives the rod of the oppressor on our behalf. We have Christ's birth, the promise of God's Son, who would bear the punishment that we so uh, deserve as a loving and willing sacrifice. Christ Jesus, being born lowly, was born as our warrior king. He fights God's cause for God's people. And we can sing this song forever. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let us look at verses 4 and 5 as we think about who it is that this promised Savior is. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. See, this Savior that we put our trust in this morning, this hope that we have by faith, that he has taken on the burden. The yoke of his burden he took on. And he took on the responsibility. He shouldered it. He shouldered the responsibility for our fall and our sin. He shouldered it. He willingly took the rod of the oppressor against himself for us. And God has broken that for us. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. You see, he is our warrior king. This Jesus who has promised to us this future hope, hope has come and it has come as promised. The burden of darkness, the burden of gloom he has shouldered. He has given us a future and a hope. He has given us faith as the substance of things hoped for. This is, whole passage is what theologians often talk about, the already and not yet, and how can it be true? It's true by faith, the already and the not yet. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He has shouldered, he has shouldered for us the burden of sin, the gloom, and the anguish, the yoke. He has taken on our oppressor, and he has won. The Christ who we celebrate this Christmas is unmistakably God. That's the first thing I want you to know. And I know you know this, but we're not celebrating some little baby in a manger in some fairy tale story. We, this is God. God came to us in the person of Jesus. The Christ we celebrate this Christmas is indeed God. He is the Word made flesh who dwelt among us. He came as one of us and He lived like none of us and He died for the worst in each of us. And His light is that light which lights our way today as God has raised Him from the dead that we might now walk in newness of life. That is by grace... His birth, His death, His resurrection enables us now to live like He did and to lay down our lives for Him and for one another. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
You see, Christ Jesus was born in a lowly estate, but make no mistake that Jesus Christ is the King. He was born King of kings and Lord of lords. His rule and reign began in a manger. His rule and reign began when He was born in a manger. His rule and reign began that day, and it has increased every day since. His kingdom rule continues to grow today and to eternity as He rules in heaven and on earth. The gloom and anguish we see from living in a world with earthly flawed rulers is not the reality that we rejoice in, is it? That is a present worldly reality, right? We have flawed leaders who we have to obey and follow in this life. But, but that is not uh, the reality that we live under. We live in the reality of we serve the king, the one and only king, the king of kings, the king who was born to be king, who was born God in the flesh for us. We rejoice in the king. We rejoice in this Christmas by faith that Christ is the ruler. We see that his justice will be done and it is currently being accomplished even through sinful people. He is the righteous king. He is the just king. His righteous and just rule are prevailing right now despite the worldly conditions that contradict it. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The light that now illuminates our path, the joy that fills our heart, the gloom that has left us, the peace that we have in a world of trouble and tumult has come to us in the birth of Jesus Christ. His birth, our light, our joy, our praise, our peace, His righteousness and His justice is accomplished. And it is accomplished by what? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, His birth, our light, our joy, our praise, our peace, His righteousness, and His justice is accomplished by the zealous love of God for sinners like you and like me. It is born of God. It's all of God. This is the substance of of hope this Christmas. We need to live in the reality of God's promise, don't we? It's the way forward. It is the substance of hope, is this faith that we have in Jesus. And it is not a faith, of course, that the world might say that we're intellectually lazy, that faith is intellectually lazy. Well, we have a promise 750 years in advance that came exactly the way God said it would. We have all of the proof we need. This is the truth of God's Word. What God says actually happens. We know this to be true. And if you don't know it to be true, seek it. Learn it. Study it. Look at it. Be convinced, not by what I've said here this morning, but be convinced by the Word of God and what it says. Be convinced of the truth of God's Word. And although, you know, the world may look and, at you and me and think we are the most deluded people on the planet, but we are the people who have 
hope. We're the people who have faith. We are the people who have the one thing that they want. The world wants this, and they don't know it. They want something real. They want something real and true. And we have the only reality and the only truth. That is, Jesus Christ is the hope. He is our only hope. He is our present hope, and He is our future hope. And if that be true, friends, then what is the rest of our life and the rest of our year to look like? I believe it's simply this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And as Paul said, and again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, because hope has come. It is yours, friends, to grab a hold of by faith. Hope is yours to grab a hold of by faith. Because God is not slack when He concerns His promises, is He? Well, let us take a moment of silence and reflect upon God's Word, and then we will close in singing. Father, we ask that You make our hearts merry and joyful this Christmas season, that we celebrate Your great love for us in sending Your Son, that we show the love of Christ to our family members who may not know You, as we gather together around our tables and in our homes, that the joy that we feel, the joy that we uh, possess in the Lord Jesus we be, would become infectious to our family members uh, this Christmas, that we would proclaim the hope, and the only hope is the reality of Jesus Christ, born, born to die, risen, and coming again. We ask, Lord, that you would fill us with joy and rejoicing this Christmas. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.